It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Welcome. You're listening to Bucked Up with Sam Buck. Welcome, guys, to the Bucked Up Podcast, man. I really appreciate you doing this. And of course you, but we went to high school together. Yes. Like, you're the first person really from my past on the podcast. Nice. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you for having me on. And I'm a real big fan of your music, too. Like, Q-Tip Bandits is a great band. I've, I was bumping your new, or I guess not the new, but the EP that you have on streaming. Like, I was so excited for this podcast. I was just bumping it the whole time. <laughs> For sure, man. Thank you. Yeah. I've How, been excited to connect with you ever since I heard about this podcast. <laughs> it, yeah, it's been, it's cool. But what, when did you, how long is, have you guys been a band, a couple, how, when did you guys meet? Yeah, we have been a band for about four years now, three years excluding our year in hibernation. <laughs> and um, Claire and I met at a, rehearsal for a recording session of one of our mutual friends who was a producer he needed a guitarist and a bassist and we were the hired musicians for that session and it was one of those like quintessential first year at berkeley 2 a.m to 6 a.m sessions our rehearsal was at 10 p.m and i remember just hitting it off um berkeley like any art institution, I think, where the subject matter is meant to be subjective and creative is put into a competitive sphere, easily starts to become, at least for me, a, a, an ego competition, you know, where everybody's trying to show off, everybody's trying to one-up each other. And that's great. There's a lot of growth that comes from that. But I remember sitting, I remember getting to that rehearsal and Claire started a jam that was like three notes. And I just played along to those three notes and it was just something really simple and kind of reminded me that music is meant to be simple and fun and something that a lot of people can, can enjoy. Yeah. How do you, I want to hear your, like your reaction to that too. I want to hear your side of the story. Yeah. Um, I, I think he said it pretty well. Um, I, I remember one of my initial impressions at that first rehearsal, first jam session was also likewise of like the, wow, this is so simple and fun. And like, it was one of the best jams that I'd had at my time at Berkeley since then, which granted was only like, you know, a month or two in, <laughs> but, um, I I remember Leo's dance moves, which I thought were really fun. And I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's fun and he's good at music. Um, and so it became just this very fun, like um, got together and played music after that session. And we, we both knew that we, um, we both discovered that we had a love for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, yes. um, which was like a very <laughs> formative band for my early musician years. Um, and I think for you as well. So yep. we definitely bonded over that. And um, I think if I dig deep enough in Sam's memories, he'll remember <laughs> our cover band in high school covering the Red Hot Chili I Peppers. I actually do. <laughs> I was sitting here having like, that's one of those bands that I, I'll be like, I would never listen to now. Sure. But like, 
once I there's so many memories of listening to that mm-hmm. band. That's- it's one of those bands for me. Like it, it was a very big part of like my middle school and early high school. And I'm with you. Like rarely now do I go to my Spotify and I'm like, I want to listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers. But once I get started in a Red Hot Chili Peppers mood, you just you so many songs it's come back whole, and you're like this one just, was so great and this one is great are you guys like <laughs> nostalgic music listeners like yes. do you listen to music for nostalgia purposes yes i i would like to more i think on the first question you asked it's like <laughs> learning music has become like oh, i'm analyzing everything i'm tight when i'm listening to music because i'm trying to pick up everything yeah and like slowly getting back to like the damn this is just a great fucking song and it makes me feel so nice it reminds me of i forget what i was listening to the other day but it was like all of a sudden it was seventh grade and summer vacation just hit Mm -hmm. and that was the vibe i was getting and i was like "Mm -hmm. this is what music is meant to meant for me yeah to do i am not like i'm what i don't know how i feel about it could be beneficial or not. It's like, there's so much new shit coming out that I'm always obsessed with like, what's the next song, like new song mm-hmm. to listen to. I don't really go back to music, but as you said, like, I feel like I should, because <laughs> when I do, I get that like transportation back in time where you're like, shit, that was like a real <laughs> memory. Like it unlocks a memory in mm-hmm. your mind that you didn't think you had. I like that. That was like a real memory. Yeah, so many yeah. times we think back and we're like, did that? happen how it actually went down in my brain but something about music is like that teleportation you're talking about i'm transported to that moment i can look left and look right and i'm like yep that's what the field behind the dorm looked like yeah yeah i remember like there's certain times where it's like that's the i remember the first time i heard like an artist that i like like i remember that actual moment Mm. but i have no musical talent like I tried playing drums at Cushing, yeah. but I didn't. I don't have musical talent. That's not. That's not my thing. It's, we need music appreciators to do what we exactly, do. So. Yeah. <laughs> so how long after you guys uh, met did you start? Like, uh, I guess become a group. Like, start making music seriously together. Sure. Um, I think even. So we were talking about this a little bit before the interview. After Sam and I, after we were in school together, we, I went to USC and I think I started writing a lot there. And so a lot of the songs from that period to when we met at Berkeley, I've just kind of like picked maybe five to 10 that I I was like, I need to play these with a band once I get into music school. And I was already looking for players to like form a band around to play these songs. And I had already started putting together a group. I think the original configuration was like a cello, hand percussion, drums, saxophone, and then me on guitar. We didn't even have a bass player. I think that is a stroke of luck, by the way. Like, I'm like, what are the chances? Berkeley, huge music school. You've probably met so many bassists at that point. What are the chances that you didn't have a bass player in your band yet? And I just came along. Yeah, right? You just stepped on the scene. Yeah. So it's one of those, I'm like, hmm. Coincidence. Do you believe in omens? Omens. I believe that we create our own, our our internal higher self, inner self, gut. My internal compass will try to tell me with symbols on the outside. I don't necessarily believe that there, 
That's a great fucking question. Because <laughs> I just read or listened to The Alchemist oh, recently. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's a lot. Have you ever read that? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, uh, it's, oh. it's really. I, I hear it's I should. So yeah, but I, I, I've, I believe that there is a higher power out there. I don't believe that. And I believe that I have a personal relationship to what I think that power is. And when I'm tapping into that, it is not so much tapping into like talking to bearded man in the sky, but tapping into that piece of my soul that is connected to whatever governs everything around us. And so in the sense of omens, it's like maybe it's not this miraculous thing, but it could be this little moment that I don't I hear something that everybody else missed. And I'm like, I was meant to hear that to guide the internal compass that I have to go down whatever, if we go to the alchemist language, my personal legend is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any like spiritual connection? Like, do you believe in a higher power? I think I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat of, I, there must be something that's greater than us. Like, I feel like there's so many things that just kind of happen that I'm, I'm like, well, how could this possibly have happened if there isn't some force that's greater than us? But I don't really put a name to it. I don't call it God. I don't, I, I just kind of think it as more on, on energy levels, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the words behind it suck. Like our language mm. isn't advanced enough to explain certain <laughs> things. So like when I'm very passionate talking about like, with a friend like God or like my God's different than your God, mm. but that doesn't mean we don't all have one or it sounds weird. Cause that word is so like, like, right. you know, like, yeah. So yeah. It hits Wait. you. exactly. But I do believe in a higher power that we each have. That's trying to guide us to our best self. Like, mm. Like the good voice and the bad voice in your brain. Like the good voice in my brain that tells me to do the good things, that's like God or good energy. And the one that tells me to do bad is the bad. And if I like live by that, I feel like that's kind of what I try to base it off of. For sure. I don't know. Like, like okay. So how many years sober are you? Six. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I never had any of that connection. I never did anything. And then when I started doing mushrooms and I've never done anything harder than, I mean, I did DMT, but like mushrooms is as hard as I really went. Yeah, totally. That made me realize that there's a world outside of this one that can help me grow. Cause I felt very lost in this one. Mm-hmm. And so it helped me out of a dark place. Sure. Yeah. Do you like, I, you came from the opposite direction, mm. I'm guessing. Like, not doing anything now, that's where your peace is at. Right. I think that... I think even a lot of people in the recovery community forget sometimes. And I, I in, in recovery circles, for, we talk a lot about forgetting, you know, forgetting what it was like, but forgetting how bad it could get, you know, and it keeps us at least for me, I'll speak for myself. It keeps me sober because I remember how bad it got. But I think what the recovery community hammers down on a lot of the times, which I don't necessarily think is the most healthy thing is like, Oh, it was bad. And it was always bad. And I'm 
I'm fucking defective because I kept doing this bad thing. When in reality, it's like, no, I had zero peace before I found drugs and alcohol. I had zero peace. And then I found it. I found it when I got high. I found it. I've had that experience where I was like, it broke me out of something. But in that space, I did not find something greater than that to sustain my peace. And instead, I kept turning back to, to drugs and alcohol. And I, I want to say it lightly because I know plenty of people who can do it and don't end up in the position that I ended up in yeah. and they do it for their entire lives and they're okay. I totally believe in recreational cannabis. I believe in uh, psilocybin microdosing. I believe in a lot of like hallucinogens that can benefit people. I just know for me, it worked. And then I leaned so heavily on it and it stopped working. And I may have lost sight of your original question. No. <laughs> the... <laughs> so, okay. So yeah. when did you start? Like was drinking the, like, uh, were you a I, I, I smoked weed when I was 14, I think was the first time I was the first time I experimented. It was the first time I started self-medicating. Mm -hmm. And that led to, you know, the kids that I would hang out with end up at like the house party, drank for the first time. And then it just slowly progressed to hallucinogens. I remember dropping acid and then it was mushrooms. And then I tried molly ecstasy then i was doing cocaine and then i was started doing xanax and then and then at one point it was just like you tell me it's going to do something to me if it's not heroin i'll do it yeah. and who's to say for me you know who's mm -hmm. to say if i continued what it would look like when was that time was that, did you, so you, throughout high, like, cause we knew each other in high school. Yeah. And it's funny, before the podcast, we were talking about stuff and you're like, oh, I would have never guessed that like. For sure. You were, and I, I feel like I could say the same thing for you. Like, I would have never guessed that like, if you were dealing with stuff then, like. Yeah. You were. For sure. Um, was that like, was high school? I think a big part of why I, I started at Cushing. So we went to Cushing for my junior and senior year. At my freshman and sophomore year, right down the street from where we're doing this interview right now at Brookline High School, I don't think there was a single day starting my sophomore year where I didn't show up high for class or I wasn't skipping one period at any time to go get high. Mm -hmm. And it was part of the reason I ended up at Cushing. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> it's not a proud moment. But I feel like Cushing's not a... Uh... <laughs> Was it a good place? I feel like Cushing wasn't like isn't a good place for then re rehabilitation. I feel like it was good in the sense that it got me away from here, from mm -hmm. home. But wherever I go, I'm still gonna be there. So it's like you, I can't really yeah. run away from myself and my habits and my behavior and my coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um. And the isolation and being around the same people a lot. It was, I mean, 
you probably know it as well as I do is a stressful time. It's such a small community that knows too much about everybody. There's no privacy. Not at all. No. (laughs) Um, And I think it was beneficial. Yeah. I think I learned good things from it, but it was a tough time. Totally. It was a tough time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I was talking about having to take medical leave and the school like turning on me. Sure. Like not wanting me to graduate and shit. So then I like cut people off and then like, yeah, you you get down. You know, did you ever, have you ever. Ever what we've bounced around to different topics. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, were you ever a drinker or were you ever a smoke? Do you smoke or do you. I wasn't really in high school. I was very clean in high school. Um, And then once I got to college uh, that changed, but it was never like a, I never used it as like an escape from reality. It was more of just like a social kind of my friends are doing it, that sort of thing. Um, And I don't, I don't really know why it just never called to me. And are sense. you sober now? No. I, uh, yeah, I do drink like one drink. A, I try to do like one or two drinks a week, like one maybe. But like when I was in college, there was definitely like, that was when I was like blacking out a lot, like getting too sure. drunk. Like, yeah. And I think alcohol was the problem there. Like, I saw like I knew the stories of, like my dad and everything, so I never went. I never did coke. I never, but like drinking was the problem. I feel like when sure. I was in college, you know, totally. I'm with that. I will say, just to go back on that first question of spirituality. Yeah, me and like our friend Stephen. I talked to Stephen about this about. So he's a friend. I get so deep into like talking about the cosmos and our place in the universe, the <laughs> essence of being, and we we can talk for hours about that but every once in a while claire will come up and his partner will also come up in conversation we're just like i feel like people like claire are just living it they're just in the moment they're doing life to the fullest and people like me i need to think about it and overanalyze everything before i can feel like i can take a step forward whereas there's a lot of things when i see you is like maybe you don't see yourself as a spiritual person but you are so much in tune to the actual rhythms of what are actually happening where it's like you're present and I need to remind myself to be present. And on that note, it's like, you'd never really seem to, uh, (laughs) it's helpful for me to remember. You never really seem like you were drinking or drugging the way that I was. (laughs) I'm sure that I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) No, but some people need that escape. And that's a, I haven't, I just met you. I, I haven't seen <laughs> nice you, you in, <laughs> yeah, I have, nice to meet you. I haven't seen you in a long time, but yeah. I feel like you guys give off similar energies. Like you guys are very similar. Like I already, musically, sonically, you guys are, but that almost seems like the best combination for a partner's even in music, like one person that overanalyzes and overthinks and does, and then one person who's present and can just be like, we got to push this forward. <laughs> like that uh, honestly yeah, seems yeah. like a perfect combo. It balances out pretty well. It's a very yin and yang situation yeah. where it's like 90% that. And there's times <laughs> where it's like, I'm the 10%, we got to push forward and she'll be the 10% overthinking. But it balances out nicely in that way where... Yeah, it's rare that one of us will be... That we'll both be on one 
end of the spectrum. Yes. Yes. We kind of take turns. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you guys been together? Three years. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to get the timeline in my head because I want. Yeah. So you've been sober six years. Six you've years. had the band four years. Yes. Together three years. Yes. Yeah. So what uh, if we like what made you choose sobriety? What like what was your wow. turning point? Good question. I appreciate the good questions. <laughs> That's what we do on Bucked Up. Yeah. It's real bucked up out here. <laughs> you got me bucked in the head. <laughs> I and if there isn't one, then I understand. For but. sure. I'm, tr- I'm trying to put it in the simplest terms as possible that are still true to what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think I found myself in a lot of the unwanted situations. You know, I was getting in trouble with authorities. I was blacking out and waking up in places where I had no idea how I got to, I was, and, and that was okay. Cause I could always move forward, but it got to the point where it was like, I tried to stop because of one of those instances. I was like, Oh shit. One of the, I've gotten to a situation that I don't want to get into again. All right, I'm going to stop. And then I kept going back and in keep and in keeping on going back, I hit this wall of like, I don't know how to live life. I don't want to be getting high right now, but I don't know what else I can do. And I want to live, but I'm too afraid to interact with anybody or leave my room. And I want to die, but I do not have the courage or the cowardice to take my own life. And I, but I, but there's that like fear that kept me from not from stopping. Because like, what will I be if I stop the only thing that I actually know how to do at this point? And I remember I had a therapist at the time and God bless his fucking soul. Brian Allison, if you're listening, I love you. Shout out Brian Allison. <laughs> but he, he tricked me. He fucking, tri- he was like, I mean, tricked me in the most loving way possible because yeah. he was looking out for me. He was like, what if you try this rehab center? You know, what if you try this treatment facility, you're telling me you're getting high and it's not working and you're not enjoying it. What if they clean your brain? What if you, they help you and you get out, you can do whatever you want. You know, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You get out, you do what you want. Hell, I'll even take you out for a beer, you know? And I was like, you know what? Cool. I'll try it. I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll go to this rehab center, see how, what it's like. And... I did the work that they laid out in front of me. And for the first time in maybe my entire life, I was like, oh shit, I feel connected. I feel at peace. And it's, it's cliche as fuck, but it's like, I felt high on life. I felt high on being connected to others and being a part of my life and active in my community and being, and trying to do the best that I can and working through the fear. And I think it's important for me to remember that I am still a drug addict. I'm still an alcoholic. Uh, but the high I'm chasing after is the peace that I get. And the, what I found taking that chance that Brian Allison put me on to, <laughs> it, it feels better than anything else. And it has very little repercussions for me. 
you know. How long before you actually like wanting to quit? You said you go back like yeah. back and forth and then actually making that decision. Going to that um, facility, rehab center. Maybe a couple years. Couple years. Maybe. I didn't even realize it was raining right I now. I know, it's beautiful right <laughs> now. It's like downpour, but it's partially sunny. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a hundred degrees for like the last four days right now. British Columbia, 121 degrees yesterday. Like what the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> a couple of years. Couple of years. Were you making music? I was writing. And I think a big part of this the the reason too, and I forgot to mention, music was like a solace that I found before getting sober. It was like I had dropped out of college. I had come home. Didn't really have direction in my life. And then I picked up the guitar again after maybe a couple of years of not playing. And then I started writing. And Willow, our first single is actually the first song I wrote in that space. That's a beautiful song. That, Thank you. That really is. Thank you so much, yeah. man. Thank you. And, and a part of, I think, why I was getting sober is like I hit this wall of like I wasn't creating anymore. I was I, I couldn't hold a rhythm. I felt like some I had knocked some wire loose in my brain that I couldn't carry a groove and I couldn't make music. And it, that was the point where I was like, if I can't play music, what's the fucking point of living? Yeah. What made you pick the guitar back up then if you had taken a break? I think... Uh, the friends I, were, I was hanging out with at the time, we were, we passed a lot of our time by like freestyling, by like turning oh, on, yeah. throwing on a yeah. tight beat on YouTube, right? I remember those days. Yeah. And just freestyling. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember it, that turned into like sharing music. And then that turned into sharing music that we normally wouldn't share with other people. And like things that it was like, oh, I wouldn't tell just a random person on the street that I like this song. <laughs> yeah. But really digging into what we liked. And I was like, oh, I like that shit too. And then the Chili Peppers were, were one of the bands that we all really liked. And I remember watching John Frusciante rip a solo. And I was like, <laughs> he looks so free. He, he like, say what you want about their music. When he's there in the moment playing, he's in the moment. I have no doubts about that from the way that he expresses. And I think from there, I was like, if I can even achieve any semblance of that freedom, music might be the way I can get there. And it, it fit my lifestyle at the time. I was like, I can do music and do drugs. So I'm going to pick up my guitar and yeah. see what I can do. Yeah. So then... You get sober for mm -hmm. two years and then you go to college. You go to Berkeley to finish up. Did you graduate? Did you finish school at I Berkeley? Did I did not. I did two years there. That's probably a good move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not good. <laughs> <No. laughs> 
I, I, I think it was a good move for me. Yeah, yes, no, I absolutely yeah. think it was a good move for me. I think you over... <laughs> the reason that sounded so... Uh, let me explain myself. I feel like I need to explain myself on that response. That was great. You were talking about over-analyzation, and you were talking about wanting to be free. Mm-hmm. So tying yourself down to something like that, I don't think is probably what's more beneficial to you. I'm guessing you probably had a pretty beneficial experience. I just graduated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's killing it. <laughs> we're very, we're similar in a lot of ways. We're very different in a lot of ways. No, but I, yeah. cause that probably, if you're more in the moment, something like that is good because it gives you a structure. To yeah. Like- I was always a school person. I, I loved school. Like, I don't, I can't explain it. Um, <laughs> but it was like, uh, even when I was feeling sick, it, most kids like try and come up with excuses that they are sick to not go to school. But when I was sick, I still wanted to go to school. I think, I think that's cool as shit. Like, I actually you know, like I part of me, you. like the, the, the resentful part of me knowing that I'm not good at school wants to yeah. be like, but it's like (laughs) internally i'm like damn like you just you're striving for knowledge like you literally are going because you want to get as much as you can out of this life like i was the kid who would like wake up sick and then i would like sleep for two extra hours and i'd be like mom i'm ready to go (laughs) i'm good now let's go you're a person who like you're a person who I like that is like I want to play like I know the rules of the game and I know what to play. Well, like I don't know if you feel, but I'm like I don't want to play by this shit and I don't even know the rules. Yeah. So I, like, I just like fuck around. Yeah, like, I, coach. I need I need yeah. I'm not good at that that type of structure. I wasn't good at school. Like I was fine at it, but I wasn't good at it. Like it was something that like. I overanalyze shit. So anyone, anyone, anything told me, I was like, fuck you. And I also didn't believe adults because the adults (laughs) around me weren't teaching me good shit. So I was like, I'm not going to listen to these assholes either. Like, yeah, sorry if anyone's listening. Teachers, you aren't assholes. No, your (laughs) teachers are very valuable (laughs) in our community. I do feel that, though. It's like. What is what is. What is this going to help me in the real world? You know, there's part part of like we're 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 not taught how to socialize. We're expected to know how to socialize more or less. We're not taught how to manage our feelings. And when we become kids that need to manage our feelings, we're put into special classes and we feel separated from our peers and abnormal because we have because maybe we didn't develop the same coping mechanisms and everybody's here learning about math, science and history and English. And I am just trying to get through the day. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's when it's like, you're not teaching me what I need to know right now. <laughs> I need to know how to keep my shit together. That's yeah, not, that's I don't give a fuck about these know. math equations. I don't give a fuck about history. Tell me how to keep my shit together. Dude, how are you not freaking out like an hour into the day? <laughs> but this is why, uh, like not like why life is a simulate, like, <laughs> Look at you guys coming from complete opposite backgrounds. Literally, cams came to come to the same place. Like you guys are in a bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's funny. Not, how we you know, got like it, the same place. If you follow your shit, if you listen to your higher power, mm. yours, even if you believe in it or not, <laughs> led you to this place, and yours led you to this place, and it's the same place, it's very different same. paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, 
on some ways I often like, hmm, I could have put so much less effort into school. Still ended up here. <laughs> I could have so many hours back in my life. Well, I'll tell you how much I hate hated school. And it was because I was my schooling was controlled by my family. Mm. Like if my grades weren't bad weren't good, it was held against me. And also I was I wasn't I didn't do most of my own work. My work was done for me. And then that was held against me mm. and used to make me feel stupid. And so then I believed I was stupid and I believed I couldn't do anything because all my work was being done for me. For sure. Like, uh, like through college, like it was, it really, I felt like I couldn't, I would have panic attacks to write. Like to sit down and write, I would have full on anxiety attacks because I literally didn't think I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. So then I just had anxiety from that. So then college, this is how silly it is. I started, I all, since I was 16 and I got in that hockey accident, I knew I wanted to do stand up. I didn't start seriously until I graduated college. Yeah. That's so, a long time to sit on a dream. I would go to, I met so many comedians. I would go to shows every week. I did improv. I did everything because I knew once I did it, I had to dive headfirst and it would mm -hmm. take up my whole life. But senior year, I took an independent study in stand up. That's bad. I never did stand up oh, and no. I got a C minus <laughs> in the independent study in stand up. And I didn't graduate cum laude because of that, because of stand up. Huh. And the day after I graduated, I started doing stand up. But it's like that is the epitome of why school doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's like that right there yeah. is like mm. I was given an opportunity to follow my dreams in an actual fashion like schooling didn't do it. The second I was thrown out to the wolves, I was like, I, that's what I need right. to do. Them. Yeah. I better start learning how to hunt and make spears right now. <laughs> For real. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that's a great song. The wolf. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good segue. Good so segue. much love. That was a beautiful segue. Oh my god. <laughs> it was all planned out. Yeah. No, it wasn't, no. But for real, that is a great song. Thank you so Big much. Big Warren Zevas fans. Hmm? Who isn't that who does the who does the original? No, that one's an original. Yeah. It's it's um Werewolves of London. Is yeah. that what you're thinking of? Yeah, I feel um, was it inspired at London all? London Calling. London Calling. Was it inspired by anything? No. Where did that song it's come from? So it's okay. The the inspiration we just went, took a totally different path and we're gonna go back, but I just want to hear because I love the, this song. The inspiration that led me to finish the song is far different from the seed that made me sing those words the first time. Mm -hmm. It's it's like so out of left field and I love it. And I love Paul Rudd, so that's why I love it even more. But I think it was my wet, hot American summer. He picks up the guitar and he sang something about being a wolf. And I remember the next night I was with my bandmate, different band at the time. And I was like, if I'm the wolf and you're the moon. And he was like, I'd tilt my head and sing to you. <laughs> and then I took that and I was like, ooh, and I ran with the rest of the song. But the rest of the song is like me and I had just gotten back from South Korea and I was busking there. And I met this other busker. Her name was Dawn. And we busked from 6 p.m. to like, 10 a.m. the next morning 
in this like little district. I'm an idiot and I apologize, but what is busking? Okay. Busking (laughs) is performing on the street for money. Oh, okay. I've done that. I should know. (laughs) I wasn't familiar with the term badger until like very recently. I know. I was like, should I let it slide? And I was like, (laughs) for the point of the story. Yes. And if listeners come on now, now you all know. No excuses now. (laughs) And um, I was just thinking about that night of, you know, it, it sounds like a love song. I think of it more as like a longing song. And maybe at the time it was like fleeting lust or just like the feeling of like being in this moment with somebody chasing after something, like a similar goal. And I remember the night that I finished writing that song. It, it, it was one of those, and it rarely happens. Um, it just flowed out in one night because I, w- I just got back. I was busking with my bandmate at the time again, who I had just recited this two lines to. And I remember we busked until three, four in the morning. We walked home and the sun was like this, the sky was this purple color and the moon was just sitting right there real pretty. And I went home that night and wrote until like 10 in the morning and just that song came out. I'm going to ask you this first and then you can answer this. Where do you think ideas come from? In general, musical ideas or just ideas? Well, that's the thing is for you guys, it's music. But for me, it's jokes. Right. Like for some people, it's art. Like where does the muse come from? It's a good question. I don't know. For me, I think mainly things come from memories connecting. Like I feel like when at least when it comes to songs it's never like a one thing sparks an idea but it's when that one thing connects to something different Mm. in the brain that then makes a new idea because i feel like anything can just be its own separate thing but in order to be like a new idea like an idea it's like combining it's like a little melting pot but you believe it comes out of your your own brain your own memory Mm. yeah I, I feel like we've we've had this conversation about about this this channel opening up, you know, from from wherever, and just like because because there are some things that just they come out so much more naturally than others, and mm-hmm. we talk about like if it was just coming from inside our heads, then it, we, we'd be able to do it all the time, but that's not the case. Like you know, writer's block happens. <laughs> like we, every musician, artist, creator of any kind, like knows like if you just sit down and try and be creative, it's not going to come. Um, usually. So we, we discussed the idea of like, well, there must be like, you know, some like channel that you tap into that mm. then all of a sudden ideas can just come straight through you. But I, I don't know. It's not something that I can explain. So that must mean it's coming from somewhere else. Well, the reason like, like flow state, when you're in flow state, either right. on stage or writing mm-hmm. or in the studio, you're not in your body. You're in the future because you're creating things that you wouldn't be able to come up with in that short a period of time it's just like flowing through you does that like is i is that musically the same way because like when i'm on stage and i'm really connected into an audience 
I'm five seconds. Actually, I think the scientific, like they say three seconds in the future. Mm -hmm. Like I'm literally three seconds ahead of where I actually am. Interesting. I haven't heard of that. I feel you. I maybe I've never thought about it as three seconds. Yeah, but it's, that's the number I heard. And I think it's true. I'm doing the thing. My mouth is doing the thing. My brain has already steps down the way. Yeah. And I'm just headed on this path that I cannot interfere with at that point. It's just happening. And the best thing I can do is get out of my own way at that point. I think if I can convince you that it's not coming from inside, although it may be, I think there's the memory meets circumstance creates inspiration. Um, And simple math. Simple math. <laughs> two plus two is four. Quick math. <laughs> I, I, uh, though the self, the self puts together these moments, it is still processing what has happened in the external. And it is because we are placed in this moment in the external that whatever the cog is here processes the outside and then spits it back out. So the initial inspiration is still (laughs) from elsewhere, from outside. And if I continue, (laughs) (laughs) I was was letting you go. I was letting you go. Let me go. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'll go. I'll fucking go. Um, But okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually where I don't stand up. Of course you need other people, of course. Sure. But it is you on stage alone mm-hmm. with an audience. With a band, when you're creating, are you tapping into like a collective consciousness that is outside of your all of your bodies, but then connected in some way? I feel like I think in terms of, at least musically, like frequencies, right? Like radio waves, all these other things. Like if we're thinking along a certain frequency all separate little like frequencies, you know, but then we get on stage together and we're playing the same song. And there's a moment where we like lock frequencies. Like all of a sudden we are, we're just, we are connected in that sense. That's a great way. To it's a collective it. flow state. That is a, cause that's what it is with the audience. I get you connect. Yeah, and yeah. That's actually a really good way to put it. it. I think it's the closest thing for me that's related to like professional sports that connects art and sports is I think it's Phil Jackson talking about like the legendary Bulls team. Yeah. But in those moments, it's like, we're not even thinking about what we're doing. It's just happening. I know this person's going to be there. I know that Claire is about to cut out and we're going to hit this anticipation. I know that this thing is going to happen. I know that. And be it as it may, if it's preparation or divine or anything in that moment, it is this collective flow. And I think that happens. I don't know. (laughs) I think there's equal parts preparation and divine in it. Divine being a greater power. That's not human. Yeah. That's, that's, it's kind of like, okay. Have you ever blacked out from drinking? No. Okay. When you black out, it's not a good experience, but in the moment you're creating an artificial like feeling that is supposedly fun. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, in totally. the moment you're like, this is fucking yeah. great. I'm going to keep going exactly. until oblivion. And yeah. I do have a reason for this. <laughs> but when you're on stage, that is a natural blackout. Mm. It's a rush. It's like, like a- I've blacked out and got, like my best sets. I don't remember. Like I literally like I black out in that moment. And that's when I hit that divine state or the, the flow, the flow state, state where it's like, that's a natural black. Like that's a natural rush of drugs mm-hmm. in my body for me, which is way better than anything artificial I've ever created. You know what I mean? For sure. And that's, I don't know how you feel, but it is a chase. Like that's when you kill for the first time, that is a dragon that you're trying to chase. Right. Totally. Yeah. I talk about good addictions. Like I try to get addicted to like, I, I really try my hardest to meditate every day, to do yoga every day, to either run, ride my bike, do like, I I I med I try to meditate every day. But we I need can. it. She doesn't I need, need it. it. Don't look at her no, like that. No, no, no. This is this is this is more of her being like, you see why I need it every day? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He tried to convince me. It wasn't a no, 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 no. no. I, I'm not trying to no, put just, anything on you. I did that to someone literally this morning. Yeah. I was like. Maybe you should meditate. I was like, oh, I'm so disgusting. I'm like, oh. you know, Who am I to tell anybody how to live? I need that shit. I'm the crazy. Yeah. But like, I try to get addicted to good things. Yeah. You know what absolutely. I mean? Because I know that's how my personality is. Totally. And I think there's like, when you look at a lot of people who excel, they're also the same people that have been prone to drug addiction in mm-hmm. the past. And there's, I think there's a direct correlation of that, you know, like the moment I found out music was the thing I wanted to do. I was like, oh, that's it. I'll give up anything in my life right now for music other than like my close relationships and, you know, other things that give me that same sort of feeling of completeness. I think you can burn out because you you can burn out quick that way, though. Like you can Mm -hmm. use all... I don't think we all have a finite energy, so that's not what I'm saying. But you can burn out all your energy if you just put it all right there. Totally. Well, like some people are successful with the slow burn, like that slow burn, like sticking with the process. I'm going (laughs) to like, you know, go to school and that's going to give me gigs, which are then going to help me grow. Like, you know? Yeah, for sure. There's, And I'm trying to learn a thing or two from that. You know, I think my my MO right now is go as hard as I can for a month, be sick for a week, go as hard as I can for a month, be sick for a week. And though it has worked, I'm also reaching the point where I'm like, where I'm like fuck, if I keep doing this my entire life, it's not going to be a long one. <laughs> yeah, I hit that like a month ago. I was in a, I'm not out of it yet, but I was in a really a tough place mentally like a month ago mm. because since the beginning of quarantine. So I got COVID February of 2020. So even before the oh, lockdown. Wow. wow. So I was like, go, you know, like I right. could be like the world's shut down. I'm in a bad place. Like, why can't I just do shit? So I just kicked it into overdrive with this and I went sure. and I went hard and I, worked my ass off and then I hit to that point when everything else opens back up and everyone's like, yeah, it's time. And I'm like, I just burnt. Like, I just used all my energy and I'm just done now. Mm. And that's shitty. I should, yeah. like, you, you can't burn out. 
Right. Mm. Right. It's it's and uh, I'm slowly building up, but I'm still burnt out. I'm still sure. burnt out. Did I you guys that. do anything like what musically did you guys do? What did you do over quarantine? We released our EP. We had a show planned like with this band Flip Turn that was touring from Florida. We had the show planned as a release show and that got canceled. Planned. We had a whole <laughs> tour planned that summer. First tour? Second uh, tour, but first tour as the configuration of the band now. Yes. Um, and because tour got canceled, we started talking about potentially recording a record. Uh, this studio in Boston called Plaid Dog reached out to us. They have a crowdfunding campaign um, format that they offer to upcoming artists where they'll help you set up a crowdfunding campaign and then that money goes into recording the record. And we're actually right in the thick of the process right now. We have, Every single day this week, we have tracking. Um, and then we also recorded a music video over the pandemic. We recorded- For what track? For Willow. Oh, you released that? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know if you were, yeah, that's a dope video. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, Thank of you. course. And just a lot of live streams and- I think that's that's all. You know, we try we did our best to Yeah, it took us a while busy. to to get used to I mean as with everyone, but you know, we were we were like there was the hope of like it kept getting pushed back and back and back, you know. So it's like at first we were like oh, okay, we were two denial. weeks two weeks of shutdown and then we'll we'll still have our show on April 16th. It'll still happen. It's fine. And then of course, April 16th did not happen. And we we're like, "Oh, it's okay. It'll be just another month. We'll still be touring by July." That did not happen. We're and now so almost was, in July yeah. <laughs> of the next year. Right. And so it was just, we were holding on to these little things and in denial. And it took us a while to just, to be like, okay, well, these things aren't happening. What can we do? And mm -hmm. so once I think that kicked in, that's when we were like, okay, well, let's, let's crowdfund for this album. Let's work on this music video. Let's um, order merch that we'd been putting off, you know, that sort of idea. Um, we we gave in to doing live streams. I think we we're kind of hesitant on doing those for a long time. Um yeah. we're like, it's not the same. I think we're such a live, yeah, like live oriented band. Our it crowd engagement is a huge part of our show. I that's yeah. I I really want to see you guys live. That's why I'm gonna try to come to the Sinclair Ooh. for real. Because I oh, really yeah. want to see you guys live. Because that is like a certain type of music that like feels different when you're like the energy in the room totally and i will say juniper and los elk the bands we're playing with like the 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 notes i've taken from watching them play and this los elk especially because i think i've only seen juniper in videos but i've seen los elk live twice the notes i've taken from just how they perform and engage with the crowd it's like they are they are goals right now you know and they're incredible performers great music and all of that and it's going to be a great show not just on our part <laughs> yeah, it'll be a fun one yeah it's going to be incredible. very excited so you said you're you're in the thick of it making the album mm -hmm. is this your first time working with a label so this is actually we're still independent but we have a deal with the record with the recording studio the to, studio okay yes. that's good because i was gonna say 
do you have like a thought on independent first signing? Do you have you been fuck like I've heard I mostly talk to rappers who mm-hmm. large and large they try to fuck over in the industry. That is like sure a very sure way. So I don't know what it's like in no, I a think, different genres. I think there's always people trying to take advantage of people who are seeking help yeah. and don't feel like feel confident enough to reach a level of success, whatever the individual describes that as on their own. Yeah. We're artists. We want to be told we're pretty. You know? <laughs> Dude, tell me I'm special. <laughs> For real. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you're special. Thank you. I know you're, you're special like, too. You're like, fucking tell me. Right <laughs> Fuck me. That's good. Like, Yo, hit me tell with me another. <laughs> but okay. Say a label does offer you, like, would you want to stay independent? Can bands stay independent now? Is that like I think bands a- can 100% stay independent. I think for us, we have no desire. We, I wouldn't say we have no desire. We have no intention right now of finding a label. We are, we're very much, let's record, let's book our tours, let's find people who want to be a part of our team who like what we're doing and are going to support us. And not to fill this quota, but because they are passionate and believe in what we're doing. And if a record label does reach out to us, we do our fucking homework. What are you offering us? What are all these words I don't understand on this paper? (laughs) Um, And what do I owe you if this isn't met? Yeah. You know, and what just really do the homework and look at a record label reaching out as of course a big opportunity and potential, but also deliberate it as much as we would deliberate like what kind of t-shirt design we would get, what shows we're gonna play. Um, And not like, oh, this is a record label, we have to take this deal. And I think for us too, I know a lot of people that get I've heard of a lot of people that get fucked over because labels are expecting a specific amount of songs. And if you cannot fill that quota, then there are expectations on the other side. Yeah. And for any artist that is considering it, I think it's safe to have three records worth of material before you sign to a label. Cause that is what they're going to expect. At least from what I've heard. So for people listening, if people are listening who are, so how, like, how did you guys get like a tour independent? Like, how did you guys grow independent? Was it like hard work and determination got you to where it was? Like a lot of emails. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like really email. Like, honestly, it's like, what's DM motherfuckers on Instagram, DM motherfuckers <laughs> on Instagram, email people, <laughs> find people's email and be real you know be real with people i know there's templates we use templates that's fine but try to personalize it the little one sentence that makes it about the venue in specific that makes it about the the art the the radio station in specific like read through some of their blogs and be like damn i read that blog about hippocampus and i love hippocampus and you know we really admire them and i our music kind of resembles that and maybe you maybe our music would fit well here's the track and also send things to people before you release it just like we want to feel special they want to fucking feel special too yeah like when i'm like hey this is unreleased i don't even know we're gonna when we're gonna release it like <laughs> psst, you get a free listen like people like that make people feel special 
That makes me so happy to hear you guys say, because like literally the only thing I have when people ask me about the podcast is like, I'm not scared to DM people. I'm not scared to be like, if personalize it, everyone, everyone I have had on the podcast, I'm a fan of. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is what I like about you. This is why. And would you, and I get a, most people don't answer. Fair, you know, <laughs> but putting the time in and reaching out to people is the number one thing, mm-hmm. no matter what the field is, you yeah. know, it's about the the 10% that do answer. Yeah. You know? it's a- if they say no, I'm exactly where I was before I asked the question. But <laughs> if one person says yes, it is this door that opens up to so many possibilities. Yeah. And people don't want to network. Like networking is everything like yeah. having not networking in a business sense, but networking in a, I want to find like-minded people. Build I a wanna, genuine community exact, around what you're doing. Yeah. Find people who, yeah. Think the same way. I guess if you're an asshole, don't find a bunch of other assholes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, but you know what I mean? Like I, I want to find like-minded people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like we haven't talked in a while, but this was a, this is bit, this is a very like genuine conversation. I'm happy that we got to do it. We've never met in the same thing. (laughs) I think we have to shake hands by the end. Yeah. Right. Doctor. Doctor. Yeah. But it's like, like like-minded. And I think Mm -hmm. art is a good way to show that. Like, I listened to your music and automatically I was like, oh, I know I'm going to like, <laughs> like you guys, you know what? I, even though we know each other, right, it's for sure. It's been a while. Totally. You know, people change too, you know, people do change. Yeah. So I want to get now. So you started the band four years ago and you guys weren't dating when you started the band. No, we were not. Like, (laughs) that's cool. Like, you guys just got musically matched up. Yeah. And then... I mean, I'm not going to lie. She's beautiful. So it's like, it didn't cross my mind. It did not (laughs) cross my mind. But there was absolutely a moment where I was like, well, she's an incredible bass player. She's probably the first other musician at this school that I've gelled so well musically and personality-wise that it was like, well, a relationship would get in the way of this greater thing that we're trying to accomplish here, which is create great music. Right. Yeah, we definitely got along musically, personally. Just Did you just... like him at first? <laughs> I thought he was a cutie. <laughs> I like his dance moves. I mean, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, no, but there's definitely always that um, that fear of like, don't, don't date your bandmates. Don't don't start mm. something. Don't start interpersonal relationships like with professional. With professional. Don't 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 mix the two. You know, like that's a big, it's a big thing. Don't be friends with your coworkers type <laughs> deal. Yeah. Um, don't shit where you eat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like to make it for the dullards listening. Yeah. I like to make it lowest common denominator. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's my Hell yeah. audience. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm something there's definitely there's definitely worries. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely worries that come along with that but i mean i feel like it's like you also get to while there are um problems that might occur there's worries at the same time you get to 
create and share the thing that you love most in life and get to create things with the person that you love. And it's really, and I mean, that goes for all of the people we share music with all of our bandmates. You know, like we, I think I, I love everyone that we're in this yeah. band with. They're all amazing. I think we're people. so lucky to have yeah. people that we gel with so well. And we all understand to an extent the music is music and our friendship is separate from that and mm -hmm. a disagreement and an argument like them. The amount of times just this week we've gotten heated at each other in the studio and then come back and like had movie night together and like had a, had a meal together and like mm -hmm. just talk shit and like had a good time and yeah. we're friends. Uh, it, it, it for me speaks volumes to like our ability to grow as a group. And I'll just add on because I got to give him the shout out too. like early on when we started dating and like the worries and the fears of, well, is this romantic relationship going to interfere with our professional relationship, our musical relationship? I know a duo that now is in Portland, Maine. They go by gentle temper. Incredible. They're playing Levitate musical music oh, festival dope. this year. Um, I called Ryan from that group and I was like, Hey man, how do you do it? You know? Cause I'm so afraid. I, I want both of these things, but you, sometimes you can't have, uh, have your cake and eat it too. Right. And his largest piece of advice was the relationship always comes before the band. And it's like our, uh, the romantic relationship comes before the band. That is the first relationship we take care of. Sometimes I forget sometimes we forget, but that is what is most important. Same with our friendships with our bandmates. The, the, the friendship is what's most important there, not the music. But the music is a byproduct of our ability to connect as friends and as romantic partners and to communicate and be vulnerable. I think that the relationships both between us and each of our friends, each, our band members has done nothing but strengthen what the music is, mm -hmm. what strengthened what the musical product that people hear is and that people see on stage. Yeah, we do. I don't I don't want to speak for everyone, but I feel like there is a thought that you can't, that like relate personal relationships, whether it be friendships, like uh, romantic relationships aren't going to work. Like, it's like you can't mix it, but like, mm -hmm. You can like if you put saying putting it first is real. Like if I if if I get mad at like not that I ever do Ani, but if I <laughs> ever get mad at Ani and Irish like and I feel the first thing in my mind goes to like saying something like yeah petty rage, about business wise yeah it's like no the friendship comes first and this is. The only way these things work, there's a book. I don't really, it's, it's called Extreme Ownership. And okay. it's like, no matter what the situation is, even if you like there and the, take ownership, because that's what's going to make everyone feel better in the end. Mm -hmm. Extreme ownership, no matter the situation, oh you shit. take it. <laughs> and that's honestly like how I feel. Like that changed my, well, it's such a simple thing, but like owning your shit is a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. So what, all right. What, when did you like, what flipped the switch when you're like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll try this. 
I don't know if there ever was a switch. It just kind of naturally started happening. I don't know. Like you started using one microphone instead of two. (laughs) (laughs) And I stared deeply in her eyes as we were hitting that high note. And I was like, God damn. What's that band, that two sisters who only use one microphone and they like sing? I saw them open up for Kurt Vile. It's the weirdest shit ever. Anyway. Wolf sisters? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. So it's just (laughs) weird tangent. I don't know if there really was a switch. I think at one point I was like, I'm going to make a move. And then I was like, and it happened and we were both like, oh, like, let's not go there. Let's not take this relationship there. And then I don't know what switched in you. (laughs) But I think... It definitely was. I mean, proximity breeds attraction. Like, I, I'm not going to be here, talk, stand here and talk about. I think love is equal parts. I mean, love is science, but science is divine. So it's like proximity. You know, we were talking about the same thing. We we're striving toward the same goal. We showed up every day for this thing that we both loved so much and we're passionate about. We spent hours talking about how we can build this this thing that we both want to see succeed. And I think slowly it just felt more right that the communication that we felt in a business professional relationship could be carried over into a personal romantic relationship where we were open with each other about how we're feeling about things. We shared our thoughts. We were willing to be vulnerable and disagree and let go of what we both thought was right for the song and do the new thing that none of us would have thought about on our own. And little things like this, it's like, I think we joke about it too with the band now. It's like, yeah, we're all dating. We're all up in each other's business. We know what's going on. We're all vulnerable with each other. We all share our ideas. We all communicate openly and freely. And we express to each other when we're feeling something. And I think it was just, knowing that there was physical attraction there too, it for me was like, it's worth seeing if this works. And a question I've always asked myself is if we were to break up, could we still be band members? Could we still work in a professional setting together? And my answer has always been, yes, I think we could remain a band if we were no longer dating. And I think that was an important question for me to like really meditate on to see if it was worth pursuing further. Yeah, and I'll say that I don't think it would work for every couple. I don't think that it would work for any personality types. Um, Any, did I say that right? Maybe. Maybe. I I think they understood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got it, guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I feel like, yeah, there's like a, there's a, there's a push and a pull. um, And if you can, if you feel in your heart of hearts that you can balance it, like, I think there's a, like, you know, you know, or you don't, I feel like. And knowing is not like a spur of the moment thing. Right. It's you, you grow into knowing. Right. You sit on it for a long time (laughs) and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're dating now. (laughs) (laughs) And we are wrapping up soon, but I, what, what changed musically when that decision was made? 
We added more band members. <laughs> <laughs> we needed more. Half kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we needed more uh, third parties <laughs> to our decision making. <laughs> no, I think I think musically things only kept growing stronger. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say a lot changed. I think we were on a path musically, and we just kind of kept going down that path. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know if anything changed. I think we became tighter. We became stronger. We just kept going along the direction that we had started on. Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a songwriting rival next to my side <laughs> the whole right. time. Do you guys write together? Do you write separate? Do you... All right, this is real sneak peek for everybody. The first song we've ever written together is the chorus of an unreleased song called July. <laughs> All the other songs we've written separately. Yeah. I love that song. That song hits me in in ways that everything I love about music, that song hits me. And we usually don't write together. Mm -hmm. We have different ways of going Ooh. about writing. I think that's where we meet the most friction. Yeah. Yep. Actually. In our, oh, wait, oh, all right. Yeah. Well, I need to. All right. No, what, are your writing, what are your writing? Uh, I'm very much like structured. So this is funny because it's different from everything we've been talking about. I'm very much, this is the structure of the song. These are my musical parts. This is the format I have so I can come back to it. And Claire is very much, that, that'll be a part of the song and that'll be a part of a song. And that's, a, that's an idea there. And that's another idea there. And I mean, I think it feeds into the overthinking of me because I'm like, I have to have it all planned out. I have to yeah. have all the pieces in place. Art's and where you find structure. He's that's the kind where of, you he's find the kind of person where he will spend three hours on I'll sit, three lines. I'll sit, yes, three hours on like two rhymes. And Claire's like I'll the, just like idea vomit like for like an hour onto a page. And then I'll be like, okay, well, I'll come back and finish this later. <laughs> or like, so you know. you're a miner and you're a sculptor. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how I think, you know, like I think that's different... a great analogy. Yeah. 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 And also jumping back to what you said, what changed musically, my songs got better. I was like you said, not that I thought of it as a songwriting rival because I didn't come I into... think of it like that. <laughs> well, you, you I saw the look in your eye. You really I believe you. <laughs> uh, um, no, but I, I was I was learning from him. I was listening to his songs and I was like, oh, well, let me try that. Let me try doing this writing thing. And I, I really wasn't writing a lot before um I I joined the band and we started I started listening to your songs. Um and uh I really think that it has just made me a better writer to to have you by my side and listening to your writing and listen to your creative process. That's beautiful to hear. Yeah. yeah, I think so also. Like every time she brings me a song, there's the equal parts like, God, how did you come up with that? That's incredible. Where did you even pull inspiration for this? You are incredible. And then the other half that's like, fuck, I got to go sit down somewhere and write a fucking great song. And like, there'll it, be times when you present a song to me and I'm, I'm just like, yeah, no, she, she, I think we both do this. Song. We, we show each song. other a song and it's like, everybody love everybody. Uh, I had to drop it. That's perfect. No, but it's for real. Like the, the, the body language and everything. When we show each other a song, it's like, that was great. Yeah, no, no, really, that was awesome. And I yeah, get it's very different from showing a friend a song. They're like, that was so good. Like, I love that song. Like, it's like, we don't. When you finished July, what was the. 
Chai's <laughs> not finished yet. We're still working. We're on working July. on it. We're working on it. Yeah. But it's on the way. And I want everybody to know that it is. To me, it's it's special. But you know, you can de- you can decide that for yourself. <laughs> do you have any music coming out? Do you have any? Uh, I know you have dates. Do you said you have? Uh, do you have a tour coming? We are booking a busking tour this summer. Busking in backyard, interspersed with like some some bigger shows. Mm-hmm. And then we're trying to book a national tour for next spring where we'll be working on another project with a friend of ours who's a producer out in L.A. Oh, great. Yeah. But um, the most next thing, the most next. Yeah. The most next the most thing. Most next upcoming thing. say that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, is the, the debut full length that we're working on right now that we were talking about. Do you have a date or recording. are you just letting it? I think we're looking at next spring right now so we can tour it when t- the time comes. It'll, it's called Melancholy Flowers. It'll be our mm-hmm. first full-length record. But we're also dropping a standalone single before that. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. And <laughs> when's that? Do you have a, yeah. just one? Hopefully by the end of the summer. Awesome. That is my hope. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming. This was a really, really great conversation. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Thanks I, for asking great questions <laughs> and being a part of it. Yeah, no, this is awesome. And I'm happy we got to catch up. Totally. It was nice meeting you. <laughs> the handshake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you want to plug your uh, social medias? For sure. Yeah. We are the Q-Tip Bandits. That's Q-Tip like clean your ears. Bandits like steal your hearts. And on all platforms, we are the Q-Tip Bandits. No spaces, no hyphens, all lowercase. And you can find us on all streaming platforms, whether it be Apple Music, Spotify, or Deezer or Tidal. And we are on social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. What's your Instagram? Personally? Oh, you don't have to share, but my if you personal wanna... Instagram. <laughs> the the band's Instagram is the Q tip bandits, all lowercase, no spaces, no apostrophes or hyphens. My personal one is the Leo Sun. Mine is Clur C L U R dot J P G. Perfect. And hey everyone, go listen to Willow real quick. <laughs> I love that track. I was I listened to it on repeat so much today. Aww. Anyway, goodbye everyone. Aww.